0: I didn't enjoy going to work. I think um, I was like uh, I wasn't very well slept, and I didn't have the energy, and I had to put it on anyway. It, it was a lot of a lot of effort. So yeah, I think it was it was difficult for me. I didn't I didn't want to go to work.
1: Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Do you remember practicing dentistry when you had a cold or you weren't feeling well? Well, you must remember how difficult that was, right? Because dentistry is such a stressful thing. We're dealing with people's emotions all day long. We're dealing with intricate procedures in small places. So when you're not feeling your best, man, that adds even more to an already stressful profession. There are various times in our careers that we will enter a rough patch. Now, before I give you examples of this, I want to give a warning for this episode that this episode does contain a lot of triggers that might upset some listeners. We tackle some very dark themes in this podcast episode. My guest, who is a dental professional, discusses episodes of self-harm, divorce, excessive alcohol intake. And these are the kind of themes that we'll be discussing under the broader umbrella of difficult rough patches that we may face as professionals. And the reason why I made this episode today is to help anyone who's listening who may be going through a rough patch. And of course, will it's inevitable. We will all go through rough patches. We'll all have an argument one day. We won't be feeling our best every day. I don't feel my best every day, despite what you guys might think, right? I have bad patches. Everyone has bad patches. This is life. And we need the resilience to navigate through those bad patches. A lot of talk nowadays, more and more, which is brilliant about mental health, looking after your mental health. So I'm hoping this episode will help someone, will inspire someone. If it helps just one person, it is worth it. Because of the nature of this episode, the audio episode will be on Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts. The video version will be only available on the premium version of the app. So that's protrusive.app on the website or on the iOS and Android store. Because I didn't want this stuff to go on YouTube because of how sensitive things are that we discuss. If you're new to the podcast, wow, you've picked a different one to join us, but something that's so, so important, right, for our well-being and so that we can serve our patients the best. Like when you're not feeling your best, whether that's emotionally, physically, in any way, you are not. Serving your patients the best way. So that's why I think this episode is important. I'm ever grateful to my anonymous guest who joined us today. He revealed so much about himself and gave so much, or just to help someone else, just to help another dental professional who may be going through a rough patch. So let's lend him our ears and be sympathetic, not only to this colleague that we had on, but to anyone in our profession going through a rough patch. Hello, producer I'm Jaz Galati, and I'll catch you in the outro. Hello, Pritchett Today I'm joined by a a really good soul, someone who's volunteered their time to help you guys, because this is a very sensitive topic we're talking about today. This episode is for anyone who has ever faced adversity or will face adversity. And this could be anything this could be extreme stress, this could be depression, this could be miscarriage, that's very stressful thing. This could be something that anything that basically means that your frame of mind may be altered. And then maybe when you're seeing patients, and you've lost your mojo, and this could happen to all of us in our careers at some points, right? So it's about this kind of uh, what we can, what lessons we can learn from a colleague who's joined us today, who went through a difficult patch himself, basically, uh, and very kindly will share his story. So, anonymous dentist, thanks for making time for this. Obviously, your voice—this is not your real voice—is the the voice we've uh, edited it, manipulated it in a significant way, so you're not identifiable. But just where do you want to start with with the story that you're going to share today with us?
0: Well, thanks, thanks for having me, Jazz. Um Yeah, I think it's the. Uh... It's a difficult one. It's one of those things that most of us, at some point in our life, will experience. And uh, you know, the, the difficult experiences that do make us um, uh, stronger in a way. So uh, when you look back on it, it's a hard time in your life. You hate going through it, uh, but when you come out the other end, um, you, you, you come out stronger. So it's, you know, anyone who has who is going through anything difficult, just know that it is better when you come out of it.
1: So What? 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 what, what, what yeah. What happened to you?
0: For me, I think it was I was in a, in a pretty bad relationship, and I think when you have a, a long bad relationship, it takes two people to, to to make it fail, and I was I was one part of of that. Um, but uh, for me, it was it was pretty bad. You know, very early on, I felt in very very dark places all and on. And I remember at the time I was working long hours um, do, doing some max rotations at the hospital, and I went from her. Uh, you know, looking after patients in, in A&E to uh, a pretty bad episode of, of self-harm where I ended up in AE myself e myself on one of the bays next to the p 4 to look after that kind of thing.
1: This is while you were in maxillofacial. You, 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 so yeah. basically what you're trying to say is you, you had an episode of self-harm yourself Yeah. whilst you were also under that role, basically.
0: Yeah, so I think basically I did max maxillofacial for about three years and um, it, um, it's already a stressful job. You got a stressful relationship at home and then sometimes arguments and, you know, things can escalate. So this was at home after a long shift and I got in warm, and, you know, I, I had an argument with my partner and, and things got out of hand and I, I basically self-harmed and it was pretty bad. I couldn't walk for eight weeks. I was in a boot, um, in a wheelchair, in a crutch, uh, and, and eventually I got out. And the, the, the worst part of it is that this happened in the beginning of the second year of that relationship. And I carried on. In, in that relationship, for another six years after that, so it was a you know a very dark time in, in my life.
1: Does that mean you were off? I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that, uh, and what you went through, mm-hmm. but wow, I mean, I'm just absorbing all that. That's a, a big take. Uh, again, we didn't talk about the, exactly your story, so this is this is all new to me as well. So, firstly, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, but then did you have to like take some time off work? How are work? Did you tell work what happened? And how did they support you? you? know, one thing I want to know is when someone you work for a trust that you work, for example, um, and you tell your trust this happened, and I'll assume that you did tell them what happened, or maybe mm. not, you can tell me, were they supportive? That's what I want to know the most.
0: Yeah, I think it varies on um, all the trust and all your consultant. And I had a really, really good relationship with the oral surgeon, um, and even the, the max bike um, consultant in, in that trust. So I think initially i was worried about what to tell them because my main worry was um is this is this a significant mental health issue where they are obliged to report me to the gdc or not and so i I wasn't sure what to tell them but um i had a really really good relationship with uh, with the oral surgeon and i just told him what what happened um actually first i did lie to him and then he's like why don't you hop off and let's get some fresh air and i was like i can't i'm in a boot um and he's like no don't worry i'll bring a wheelchair so he got a wheelchair And he took me out of the the, the hospital to get some fresh air. It was really good. We were talking and yeah, I kind of broke down with him and I was honest and he was very, very supportive. I'm one of the nicest people I've ever met. It
1: sounds like it already. It sounds like this um, oral surgeon, he he suspected something and he wanted to take you in a safe place to to discuss that. And that that, that is something to be said about the character of this person, right?
0: It is. It is. Honestly, he is amazing. I think you'd love him. He's one of those people that I know when we run on clinic and we get a referral for um, TMJ issues, he'll run an hour late with the patient because he wants to know like their whole background history about any stress. And he's such a natural at getting stories out of people, people who... They're not to be stressed for things like that and and they'll tell you you know they've told him their life history and everything he's he's a very good soul mm-hmm. and uh yeah he he still works in that trust so
1: so thanks to thanks to this individual you you managed to get some support like you had a couple months off and 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 you know there was like no like blame culture or no like you didn't you know obviously it's tragic what you're going through at the time but i'm hoping they were supporting you get through that rough patch
0: they, they did absolutely and um I didn't take the full um two months off. So I think I took I was in hospital for four days under the plastic surgeons and then I got home and I took another week off after that and they told me to take the four or eight weeks off but I was like I can't I need to come back to work. So I went back to work in a wheelchair. Uh, the best part about it is I got one of the disabled parking spots right outside the <laughs> hospital. <you know? laughs> silver lining, uh, always silver linings. <laughs> 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 so yeah and uh, so I did clinics um, because I could do that on a wheelchair and sitting down and, and stuff and uh, I, I did a lot of new stuff. I held a bleep. Um, and then after the wheelchair chair i that i think i was in the wheelchair for another two weeks and then i managed to to um get our crutches and then with crutches i went about doing everything i could i went to any sushi to faces all the rest of it so it was uh, yeah
1: and was that the first like, time in your relationship, was that the first time, if you don't mind me asking, was that first time in your relationship no. that things had escalated this bad or other moments, not necessarily in terms of outcome, in terms of self-harm, but in terms of uh, how, how you felt and whatnot and how it might, have, uh, might affect your mood and your ability to, to be your best when you're going to you go into work? Was that the first time?
0: No, no. I mean, I think with things like this, um, it's usually towards a, a, the end of a really long string of spoiler episodes. And then this is like a major event. So yeah, it does start with small issues, and it and it does get bigger. and Yeah, it's um, you know lots of arguments, lots of um, we, yeah. We never got obviously physical uh, into physical fight, but it was emotionally very very draining, and it does take a, a, a toll on your on your mental health.
1: Did you get any help as a as a, as a couple? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping you're gonna tell me that this is the direction you went in terms of, you know, therapy, counselling, that kind of stuff. Is that something that you explored?
0: So after this event, after the um, self harm, uh, we did, and um, I don't I don't think it helped. I think um, I think most most people need to be on board for it to work. Um, uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is when you when you go to a counselor. And you talk about the issues in the relationship, there is a fine line where you're talking about the problems and and not being looked at as trying to bring the counselor over to, you know the, the, the therapist over to your point of view. So so you know say things that, to, 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 for them to, to agree with you. Mm, and I think that's that's mm. yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's the problem that we had in, in counseling where one of us didn't think counselors or therapists could help. And then when we did go and we're talking about the issues that are bringing us there, um, you get the blame of thinking oh you're just you're just saying the most awful things to try and win over the counselor and make me look like the bad person so we tried I think about four or five sessions and um, it wasn't really for any year
1: but what if what if someone listening to this right now is going through a, a similar thing in a relationship and would you at least suggest that they they give it a go because it didn't work for you but maybe absolutely uh, do you think it's worth giving a go right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think if not, uh, definitely try Try everything you can. Uh, and if the couples doesn't work for you, then make sure you get some help for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. At the very least, mm-hmm. at least you, you're you're looking after yourselves. Then,
1: well, tell us that how far into this journey that you went through? Uh, did you did you eventually get um, you know individual help for yourself?
0: So I did at the end. So so this was year two. Um, the relationship continued for another six years after that. We we were in a relationship for seven years in total. And then um, once it all um, officially ended, then I got I got some help. And yeah, I went to, to uh, Malta and they had this juice, um, juice past retreat thing um, going on over there. So I just went um, to that and um, over there, there was a yoga instructor and he is just amazing. Um, like I didn't realize I was having help, but me and him would go for, um, for walks and, and yoga and stuff. And then at the end of it, um he told me that he's an instructor in something called heart math. And I can go through that um, you know, either now or later on, you know, if you want.
1: Yeah, just tell us what it is. Um you you sparked our interest now.
0: Yeah. So heart math it just blew my mind basically. Um, it's a very so we did yoga, that's one thing that helps. And then heart math is a breathing exercise. Now I know everybody goes on about breathing exercises and how they work and and how it affects your mental health and stuff. But you don't really know because you, you hear about them or you read about them. But I think it's it's until you see the, the, the effects and the benefits that you realize how important it is. So the way he did it with me is um, he he goes on to his login for HeartMath. And then he has an ear probe that connects to your phone or to your laptop or something to monitor your heartbeat. So he just connected it to me. And we started talking about just random things. Um, uh, You know, for five minutes, we were just having a chat. And we were moving from topic to topic, um, talking about films or books or um, sports activities, just random things. And then after the five minutes, he said, why don't we just do some breathing exercises for five minutes? And he said, uh, you know, breathe in through your heart. Imagine there's a hole in your heart and you're breathing in through that. Um, Breathe in for five seconds and then breathe out and through the same hole in your heart, just send love to everybody out there in the world, to people that you like, to people that you don't like, and breathe out for seven seconds. And we'll do that continuously. Um, and yeah, just, you you know, th- think about the breathing in and the breathing out, and that's it. We did that for another five seconds, and then we looked at the heart rate on the monitor, and um, the results were even the first five minutes were just so chaotic. Your, your heart rate is just fluctuating up and down, and there's no rhythm. And, and then you look at the, the last five minutes, and it's just... Constant level, low heart rate, and yeah, it, it, there's a, there's a whole spectrum, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And for anybody out there who's interested, um, just go to Instagram and type Bu Yoga, and um, you'll find him. He's an Italian guy called Sal Fuma. And uh, he's one of the mentors on, on high which it's, it's just it's amazing.
1: I mean, the advice there basically is that, you know, whatever difficult time you may be going through, and sometimes it's self-help and looking after yourself so important. Now, that can come yeah. in many forms. And you, you know, you're a case study. You're like at N equals one, like this worked for you. And so, it, you know, and, and then we like recommendations, right? We go by people, you know, trust and stuff. And so after hearing what you went through uh, and how you tried to overcome it and then listening to that, that might inspire someone to be like, you know what, I'm going to look after myself a little bit more and, and try a therapy. That's, that sounds amazing to me. Um, now, to, to get back to more about how we can help people who may be in a rough patch, if you look back at your time now and yep. the the journey and the, the ups and downs and stuff, do you wish that you would have sought help sooner? Because it looks like you waited till the end to seek help. You know, Imagine someone has had an argument with their spouse this morning and they're, yep. and they're going to work now. they listen to this podcast episode. They've had an argument with their spouse they're not in a good place. And I mean, you know, you, you, you've been there. We've all been there to, to some degree. Right. And you're not in a yep. good place and you can't be your best. And you know, sometimes you you, know, you need to give everything to your patient. We when are, you're, we're when you're doing you know, even a class two class twos are not easy. They're tricky, right? They're fiddly. They need a lot of tension, dedication to get a lovely contact point. You know? So, how can you give your best to that individual who's put their trust in, in, in you when you're not in the right frame of mind? So, um, A, what, what kind of, uh, how would you feel and how did it affect your work in that regard, in, in, in terms of your enjoyment and fulfillment from work? And then, do you wish you would have got help sooner? So it's a two-part question.
0: Yeah, so I think that with, with this sort of situation, there's two aspects to it. So one is, I think, um, I was I was also having quite a bit of, of alcohol at the time. And I think that has its its own problems. And you've also got the mental issues. And I think it's a bit like the way I felt was what, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe, I don't know, you know, in university, uh, you you go shopping and you have like seven Tesco bags in in each hand. And they're really, really heavy. And you walk back to your apartment um, 10 minutes and your fingers are really sore. And you you, you put bags down and you feel that sense of relief that you're just like, oh, and I see, like, it becomes like a chronic situation where you feel like you're carrying something on your shoulder and it becomes normal for you. And you don't realize it's there anymore, but it's always there. Um, or like a really tight pair of shoes um, that you're wearing. They're really uncomfortable, but eventually you get used to it, but you don't realize it until you take the pair of shoes out. Then you realize you know, that you've been carrying this burden for a while. And I think that's the, the first stress. And the second stress is the, the lack of sleep. I think when you're having... Um, uh, uh, or so you're in a bad relationship. You're not sleeping well. It is difficult, and uh, you just bring your your a game whenever whenever you get. And you know, you just try your best. You, you you're not a hundred percent. You don't realize it at the time. Um, but when you go to work, nobody can tell. Uh, these are people, you know, people like this are very outgoing and social and everybody around you thinks that, oh, he's such a fun loving guy. He's such a great guy.
1: So, so you're, you're saying basically that you had a really good poker face. So you were at work, you know, yeah. nurse, receptionist, you, yeah. they couldn't tell these internal struggles that you're going through.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: And that itself is as a burden. That is difficult. To, you know, yeah. it, it's like you're living. A, I guess false life is a, is a term we could use. You're living a fault You're living a lie in a way that you can't express yourself at work, and you're at work so many hours a day. But you're trying to distract yourself you're, you're trying to be your normal self not the you're trying to be uh, your happy-go-lucky person that you that you that you are rather than stuck in this difficult time you're trying to get out of that but that itself yeah. plays a burden on you but i guess you have to put that face on to give your um to give your best to your profession is that how you felt maybe
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um and i mean who knows about you know you're right about about patient care and stuff. I think it's difficult to, to, to look at it retrospectively and see that if you could have done a better job. But when you're an artist at the other end and you feel the way you do and you go to work and you know that you've got real energy and passion, then you realize that there is something more that you can give.
1: Was dentistry for you like, you know what, I need to get out of home, I need to get out of this and I'd rather go to work and I, I love dentistry? Or were you like, you know what, I feel, I feel crap? Like, like, you know, when you got a cold and you have to like a really nasty cold, and you have to go into work with a nasty cold. And it's just not pleasant. You're trying to get through the day. And it's just it is what it is. What wh- where did you lie in that mindset yeah. of going to work?
0: I was I was in the second group. I was definitely in the second group. I, I didn't enjoy going to work. I think um, I was like uh, I was a very well slept and I didn't have the energy and I had to put it on. And it was it was a lot of a lot of effort. So, yeah, I think it was it was difficult for me. I didn't I didn't want to go to work.
1: I mean, dentistry is so, so stressful already, right? What well, it is, and, yeah. and the most stressful, like, well, the best bits about a job is, is a people person. You know, it's a people job, basically. You're, people, you're seeing people all the time. You're building connections, trust, that kind of stuff. That's the best part. But it's also the most taxing part. They so have to deal with yeah. emotions. You have to consent people. You have to make decisions, you know, decision making both in your treatment plan and what the patient will accept and actually decision making in a micro level, like which wedge to select, to which matrix band, to which type of prep. Constant decision making. So it's a very taxing profession, that itself was adding stress and burden to you. And I, and I know, uh, obviously, those who uh, listening, watching, you don't know who I'm speaking to. But this individual uh, is, uh, is kind of like me, we're, we're you know, we're course junkies, we, we like to learn and stuff. And so how did you cope with juggling, you know, trying to be uh, the, the best that you can at, at your work and learning more and managing this issue that you had internal at home and stuff? Did you take more holidays? Did you try and take more breaks? I mean, how did you cope?
0: Um, I think the courses were amazing. I think that definitely helps. Um, I, I, you're right. I did go on a lot of different courses. I did do a lot of learning. I did a lot of shadowing. And those were the best days of the whole year, I think. Um, so So that definitely helps. Um, sport is definitely something that does, that does help as well. So any form of exercise and movement brings you in a good place, and I think whenever you go for a run or something, you you hate the idea of it before it, but when you finish it, you do you do realize that you're full of you know energy and stuff. So so that is good, but otherwise it is difficult. It's there. There is no there's no easy way out of it. And I think the only thing to learn is that it's better to, to not be in a relationship than to be in a bad world. It, it it was one of those things that that was difficult. Those seven years were were the most difficult years of my life it was difficult to juggle. All
1: of it. I spoke to to, to to Sandy who came on and he talked about um, a toxic workplace and how eventually he yeah. said he had to draw the line, he had to leave that work and find a new associate yeah. position and he's thriving now. He's loving it. And I see, you know, yeah. without giving much away about you, I see you, you now and we had a, a conversation on the phone and you're 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 really you're back to yourself now. You're back to your happy, or lucky, smiling self and you you're um, you're in a good place now. But getting there can be tricky. And so so What was the final trigger, if you like, or final thing that made you make a very bold and brave mutual decision, I hope, in terms of, okay, we need to end it now so that yeah, we can heal because you decided, you know, it, it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, from what I'm reading between the lines, you're kind of saying that you left it too late. You wish you'd left much earlier. But that's uh, it's a bit like when you've been at a practice for 10 years and now it's becoming toxic. But because your patients will know you, your receptors know you you, you, you you know, to, to have to leave the j- a job and find a new associate position, for example, I'm just drawing comparison. It's a tough decision to make that. Like, you know what? I'm handing my notice in. It's a big deal for, for a lot of people. You know, your kids might be at a local school. It's the fear of the unknown. What were you thinking when you finally sort of decided that this was it?
0: So, yeah, I'll tell you exactly what it was because I remember it very, very clearly. Um, I think, you know, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my relationship with alcohol and then it'll lead on quite well to this. So I'm somebody who started um, drinking quite late in life. And when I was at university, I probably only have a drink three or four times a year. And it was the same in VT, um, practice uh, nights out or Christmas size or something like that. When I got into a relationship, and um, I think you've talked about this before, about you know, lifestyle creep and you get a bit more money and you start to afford things a bit better and then you've got company to enjoy it with and you start to drink a bit so then you drink maybe twice a month and you start to drink um, once a week and then you drink twice a week and it goes on and then you're having a glass of wine every night and you think it's normal, a glass of wine that's fine every night with your food and then you have a couple of glasses a night, you know. And then. So I was at a stage where I'm having about two glasses of of wine every night after work. And I listened to a podcast by Brad Thornton. He's a dentist. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you know him. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, of course. Yeah, Brad. Shout out to Brad.
0: Yeah. And he interviewed somebody who unfortunately has now passed away. But he interviewed somebody who had um, a pretty difficult relationship with alcohol himself. And he was only one to two bottles of spirit a day. Uh, every, every day, and he eventually tried to commit suicide. And it was a it was a pretty pretty harrowing podcast, you know, when you listen to it. And the thing that hit me is that he he said in his podcast that he he didn't just start drinking one to two spirits, you know, bottles of spirits a day um, straight away. Five years before that, he was with two glasses of wine a night, and I'm like, I'm having two glasses of wine a night. I'm, I'm five years away from, from attempted suicide, you know. And I was like, okay, this something has to change over here. And uh, it also reminds me of another analogy you said in one of your other podcasts about the frog in boiling water, right? Mm. When, when, when the water is, is cold, it gets a bit warmer and warmer. And before you realize it, um, you're in, in boiling water and you start to get out and you're dead. So I think that was the point at which I was like, okay, I think this needs to end. <laughs> the things that hold you back are you're in your early thirties. Um, you you don't you don't have a chance of getting another relationship, and a family, and it's all um, very scary. Um, but then you realize that it's better than the alternative, which is you know staying in this, and, and things will just escalate and get worse. So that's the point at which I was like, I think this needs to end. Um, and I joined quit drinking course by Alan Carr. Uh, It's called um, The Easy Way Course and I think a lot of um, celebrities have been on it for either smoking or for alcohol and it was amazing. It was really, really good. Uh, It was was really, really good and I think basically uh, when it comes to um, drinking, a lot of people think that it provides you with some benefit, um, firstly. Secondly, I think the main thing that will make somebody stop or not stop, sorry, is that they think that it's very, very difficult. To, to stop and you're like, it's impossible, or I'd have to go through uh, delirium tremens for three weeks and sweat it out in a room or something like that. Whereas I think in this course, it's just a one day course, you do realize that it's not that difficult because everything that um, you know about alcohol is, is an illusion and it's wrong. And I think as soon as you you see it, it's like, you know, have you seen some of those pictures where they tell you to look at something and you can't see it? And Mm. you're staring at the picture and they're like, you can see the word in in that jumbled up squares of black and white over there, but you can't see it. And then they tell you to squint your eyes and move back. And then all of a sudden you can see it. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it. You you can't look at that picture again and and not see it. And it's a bit like that. And I think
1: It's a bit like finding MB2. When you first find MB2, (laughs) okay, then you can't stop finding it. (laughs) (laughs) I I I want to make it dental in some way. (laughs) Oh,
0: exactly. So yeah, I think that's it. So like one of the illusions they talk about is, is taste. And, uh, you know, like when you think about all people, um, high-end people talk about how this nutty ale tastes so good or cheeky sultan or or I don't know, peat and brine and all these different flavors and oak um, and things like that. But actually, it's all it's all a marketing blowage. Um, um, think about the first time you ever tried alcohol. I know for me, it was horrendous. It tasted disgusting. I couldn't even swallow it. And I think that's how- You have how to our...
1: pretend. It's like beer. You have to pretend to like beer long enough until you actually like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. 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 And and the first time I know I know the first time I tried it, it was disgusting. But there's always somebody there to tell you, "Don't worry, it's an acquired taste." And um, over time, <laughs> you will learn to like it. And, and that's it. But the reality is that uh, you need a lack of taste to be able to tolerate it, um, you know, and, and that's how it is. O- over time, your taste buds just forget how bad it is. And in reality, it's a poison. A half half a pint of, of alcohol needs to go kill you. And I think, you know, back in the day when when we were hunter-gatherers, that's how we knew our taste buds knew what to take and what not to take. And, you know, alcohol is one of those things if we did try it um, back then, we would have probably just started out and not, not had it again. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they talk about a lot of different illusions on the course, and I think once you start to see it for, for what it is, the the flavours all come from sugar um, of some sort, and, and that's what, what really um, keeps it going.
1: That's very useful perspective on anyone. You know, alcoholism is a, is a serious thing that we need to spread a good message about in terms of uh, overcoming it. So if I was to uh, say to you with after everything you've been through, and like, for those of you who don't know the colleague I'm speaking to today, uh, fantastic dentist, really proactive, like, you know, you could tell this dentist proactive because they sought to go on this Alan Carr course, they sought to go on this retreat, you have to be in. in, We actually met on a course once I won't uh, say which course it was whatever. But you're a very proactive dentist, but even you found it very difficult to end a toxic relationship early enough. And that's, you know, it's a testament to how difficult and how tough these things are. So whether someone is going through depression, uh, or any other bad moment in their life, tough patch, rough patch, okay, what are the top two, three, four, five, and as many bits of advice. If you have, if I just give them a microphone and say, listen, any of my colleagues who were in a bad place, consider doing the following. What kind of advice can we leave the protruserati with to, you know, no matter what they're going through right now, how can we help them get their mojo back so that they can serve their family, serve their patients well, and live life to the fullest?
0: I think the first thing is just realize where you are in life, because I think, you know, just look at your relationship with any sort of drug, whether it's, you know, smoking, alcohol, food, and just see if it's a healthy relationship or not. And I think if you don't realize that it's not a healthy relationship, then you'll carry on in that situation for quite some time. Secondly, I think if you do realize that you're, you're not having a, a healthy relationship with, some, with something like alcohol, don't think that you're alone and don't be embarrassed about it. When I went on this, um, on this quit drinking course with Alan Carr, it was full of high achievers. And our, our brain, you know, when we think about an alcoholic, we think about somebody on the road, um, homeless person, you know, with a can of beer. But actually, I think there's a lot of high achievers, doctors, lawyers, dentists for sure, who are very, very successful, who have a, a bad relationship with alcohol. So if you think you have one, don't feel embarrassed about it, because there are a lot of other people in the same, same boat as you just go and get get help and this uh, there's you know many ways of, of stopping drinking this is the one that I use. Thirdly, I didn't use Confidential um, but I've heard lots of good things about it. so you know when, when the, the mental dental group started and I saw um, you know what they were doing fantastic stuff so uh, that you know at the very least if you need some help you can go through through that route. And then I would strongly suggest to go on a retreat somewhere. So, you know, sometimes you go on a holiday and you come back and you've got to go to work the next day and you're exhausted and you just you feel like you need a holiday from your holiday. I think maybe once or, or twice a year, if you can, just go on a holiday where you're not, you know, uh, having food and drink and all the rest of it. Just spend maybe four or five days at a retreat where you have some yoga, um, some, some very healthy food, or in this case, it was juicing. And honestly, the energy you get out of it, you think that, oh, you're only having four glasses of juice per day. You must be starving. But You're full, full of energy. And you come back, and I was ready. You know, I was ready to start the next chapter of my life. And uh, when when you have that good energy, you spread that good energy, and you get that good energy back. And uh, you know, I, I went from a position to oh, you of thinking that this is it. I'm not gonna have a family ever. And within one year, I was engaged. Uh, within within two years, I'm you know in a, in a very happy place, and we're hoping to start a family soon. Amazing, uh, amazing. So so yeah. So I think. Um, once you've got um, some some good energy to give out. And the third thing is always help somebody in some way. And and that gives you immense, you know, mojo, but also juju, and also you feel so good. Um, It's just very, very good energy. The alcohol course we went on, they said that, the twelfth step, when, when you if you were to go to AA, I don't know, but if you were to go to AA, apparently the twelfth step is to try and help somebody else get out of out of the alcohol crap, and yeah, it's just very very helpful um, to yourself and your soul um, when you when you help somebody.
1: Else. Amazing, and I mean, thank you so much for for sharing not only. Your, your story. I know we're going to keep everything anonymous, but still, like I, I really appreciate you uh, sharing some tough times because, um, you know, I once recorded with um, a, a colleague and uh, she talked about adversity in New Zealand. You might have listened to that uh, episode uh, and she was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and um, I had a dentist message me saying that everything that she was saying about how she felt and how the stress that she felt at work, she was, she was uh, uh, one of the podcast listeners, one of the Protruserati, she was driving and she started flooding in tears and she had to literally like I think she said uh, she had to like park her car somewhere, or it might have been on a motorway, she had to go in the in the side uh, sideline basically, but like, I'm sure that even if this helps one person, and it will help more, if it just helps one person, that yeah. we, we, we've done something today. And if we're in a good place now, then remember that nothing ever is promised, we will always face adversity in life, life will always come with challenges. And some of the lessons and themes that you've covered today for us, in terms of looking after yourself, getting uh, help, going on some sort of retreat or something, um, even the uh, the heart, heart math, you said?
0: Yep, hard work.
1: So, something to, to, to consider, and you know, how can you help yourself? It's a bit like when you're on an airplane, they always say, you know, do your seatbelt first before you do someone else's, uh, do, do your uh, uh, life mask first, uh, air mask, whatever, before you do someone else's. It's like you have to look, if you look after yourself, then only then can you serve your family, can you serve your children, can you serve your patients? Uh, and so that's really important. So if, if any lesson is today, if you found uh, these themes hard hitting, do you feel affected by these and please don't the, the worst thing you do is just be like, okay, click on the next episode, reach out to someone or some organization, it could be confidential, it could be a retreat, it could be someone to help you through a, a tough time that's relevant to you. Uh, I think that'd be the most important action you could take.
0: Absolutely, 100%. Um, you know how they say in dentistry, um, always invest, invest in yourself. Um, clinically, uh, you know we always talk about how you you go on courses, and invest in yourself clinically, but mentally as well. Absolutely, 100%. Um, take the time twice a year, and do something that's going to, it's um, going to give put you in a good mental state for sure.
1: Amazing. Well, there we have it, guys, because inevitably, we'll all go through a rough patch. And I hope this episode will help you. It might find you at a time where you're not in a rough patch, but hopefully listening to someone else's story will just make you aware of colleagues around us that may seem that everything's going OK, but under the surface, there are cracks. if you notice those cracks, please send them this episode or send them to Confidential or send them to any of the resources that our colleague shared with us today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm putting the show notes, the HeartMath, the Alan Carr course for helping him uh, overcome the alcohol addiction and any other resources I can find to help anyone going through a rough patch in their lives. If this episode was meaningful, if it helped you in any way, I would love for you to leave a review on wherever you listen to your podcast and I appreciate you listening all the way to the end. I know it was a tough conversation at times because the theme's covered but you know we can't just shy away from these themes. You know It can't just all be composite veneers the whole time. right? We need to discuss these real world themes. So thank you so much once again for listening to Protrusive and I'll catch you in the next one. Once again, thank you to the guest that came on who gave up his time and shared his vulnerable story. I respect you so, so much, my friend.